Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Penguins have won it. It has been a calendar year since the Capitals have lost consecutive home games in regulation, but they have today. That does it. And the Canadians are the victors. I don't think you can sit there as a team and just kind of look at Jack Eichel and expect him to carry the load. Somebody else has got to jump on this train too and help him out. And now we're going to have a goalie fight. Here comes Cam Talbot and Mike Smith. They're going to go with center ice. Talbot short with the right hand. Smith, three clubbing right hands. This is the battle of Alberta we've been waiting for. That brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? As we welcome you to another edition of Our Line Starts. Lee McHugh, Keith Jones, Patrick Sharp now dressing alike of at course. this point. We've gotten to that point where you're, you've gone full Jonesy. I told you. This is my new hero, my <laughs> idol, my mentor. Got the dress shirt on. I have to change it up a little bit. Black jeans, though. I got the running shoe kind of look, and I rolled my sleeves up. So I'm the cool younger. I tried younger to style my hair like Sharpie. It, it just didn't, didn't work out. out. It, was, it just didn't work I out. Think we're I think like we're a month away from him bringing in the reading glasses <laughs> that you get from the drugstore that are not prescription <laughs> as you squint through them. Mm-hmm. And then him cutting a nine-hour video package that will never make air. That will happen. The next two steps here. All right. Here's what's on tap for the pod. Talk about Pittsburgh. Can the Pens win the Metropolitan Division? Certainly seemed unlikely when Sidney Crosby was forced out of the lineup. That was back in November, but he's back. And after Sunday's head-to-head win, the Pens right on the heels of the Capitals. They also have game in hand. And you'd have to say, defying all logic and reason, the Columbus Blue Jackets may have a say in who wins the Metropolitan. Columbus has earned points in 22 of their last 24 games. Amazingly, they look ready to make another postseason run. And you have to say, if that's the case, should Torts be considered for Coach of the Year? Penn's Caps, you heard it there, not the only rivalry that's been revived as playoff races heat up. The Battle of Alberta is back in a big way, complete with a goalie fight. Uh, We'll talk about that in Part 3. We're also here from the instigator, Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. And then finally, the Buffalo Sabres. They entered the week 11 points out of a playoff spot. Their last playoff appearance was back in 2011, longest drought in the NHL. First time, long time caller Dwayne has certainly had enough. <laughs> One of the great radio calls ever. Yet somehow Jack Eichel is there putting up an MVP season. We're going to discuss all that. Let's go back to the Metro and let's talk about the Pens because this Caps team was absolutely rolling. The Pens are injured. They're not. They're going to be without Jake Gensel for the duration at this point. 
can the Pens catch the Caps? They, they absolutely can. Uh, Matt Murray starting to play like Matt Murray was playing when he won two Stanley Cups. That's a real positive. I thought he was outstanding in that game, especially in the third period when the Capitals really started to pour it on. They were physically uh, demanding the play in that third period, and Murray had to come up with a bunch of big saves. So in my eyes, that is a huge reason why I believe the Penguins can get there. As good as Tristan Jari has played this year, and he's been very good. That's a good problem to have. I still think Matt Murray's the man. It's good to see him start to play like that again. It's amazing with all these injuries, players at every position just step in, fill the void, and start excelling. That could be a good thing for the Penguins down the stretch. They're still in great position. They're going to make the playoffs. They can challenge for first place. But just because these guys were injured, Gensel's missed some time, all those forwards that we can run through, players like Brian Russ get a little more opportunity, start scoring goals, start playing power play minutes. Now there's just confidence through the lineup. The amount of guys that have come up from the minors, Sam Lafferty pops into mind yeah. and just fit in right away and look like they've been there for years. That's a testament to the organization. And whenever you got two goaltenders, which we've seen all across the league now, Tristan Jari opened my eyes this year, and Matt Murray. We went through his splits the other day. November and December were rough, but January was a great month for him. He wants that net back, and when you got two Stanley Cups under your belt already, uh, he'd probably be the guy I'd start. He'll be one. the starter in the playoffs I would at this think point, so. you'd have to assume. You would expect, unless he really slid and wasn't playing well, they do have an option now. It's, they yep. had options before when Marc-Andre Fleury was there, and Mike Sullivan is showing no hesitation to go with whoever he feels is going to get the job done on that night. And he can switch back and forth with the depth that they have at that position. They also have depth at the blue line now. And Brian Dumoulin should be back in the foreseeable future before this regular season is over. And that's a, a very good, solid defensive defenseman that can match up against some of the Capitals' top players if, in fact, they end up playing Washington when the playoffs roll around. So there's a lot of pieces there for Jimmy Rutherford. And he does not hesitate to pick up other pieces. And Jake Gensel's money will be available, although uh, he won't be, and that's a big loss. They can use that money, and they can pick somebody up through who, trade. Who should he be eyeing, or what position? I mean... I would be a winger It would be me. a winger, yeah. but, uh, I mean... There's not a ton available on the market. It's not a robust market at this point. I mean, who are you looking at? Who's a fit there? The two, if you're talking wingers, the two guys that pop into mind right now, New York Rangers, Chris right. Kreider. I mean, he's been around for a long time. The Rangers, let's not forget this past decade, they had a lot of success in the playoffs. They didn't win a Stanley Cup, but they played deep into the, the playoffs time and time again. Kreider's one of those guys that can move up and down the lineup. He's got speed. He's a big body. He's kind of built for playoff hockey. He's always around the net. And the other guy I like that I think can do some damage down the stretch into the playoffs is Toffoli. Yeah. Out and out. Yeah. Dangerous right-handed shot. Can play the off wing if you want him to. He's got playoff experience as well. So those are two guys. You I'm give up a first-rounder for Kreider? Uh, yeah, you will. Now, it's interesting, right? Pittsburgh, New York, Rangers in the same division. Yes. So you, in years past, you would have said no chance. It's different now. With the, with the salary cap and full bore, there's uh, a, an urgency for teams to make trades, no matter if it's with somebody within their own division or not, if the price is right. And the price is going to be high for Kreider. It's going to be higher than what they got for Kevin Hayes last year. Uh, so you're going to yeah. have to spend. And that would be the big challenge uh, from Jimmy Rutherford's perspective. But this, obviously, the Penguins are a win-now team. And when you've got Malkin playing like Malkin is playing this season, uh, that's a huge plus that says uh, if you're the general manager, I, I might do something else here just to try to put us over the top and match up well. thing I like about Kreider's game is he can match up against the Capitals because not only is he fast, he's powerful. Yeah. And he's not going to be chased out of a game against a team that plays physically. He also fits the way the Penguins play. They work. They play with pace. Toffoli doesn't have as much pace in his game. That would be the only thing that would worry me with him.
we talked about the goaltending on one side. Let's talk about the cap side of things because Ilya Samsonov, he's had a fantastic season, young goaltender. Uh, so Tuesday morning at practice, Alexander Ovechkin's ripping shots on net, catches Samsonov high. He has to sort of be helped off the ice. I think uh, it was Ovi who said afterwards he's a big boy. I'm sure he's fine, <laughs> which is easy for him to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Let's, the key phrase. Easy for him to yeah, say. Yeah, very easy for him to say. If it was a fourth liner, a young kid coming up, he'd be terrified right now in the locker room. I'm almost a little surprised, though, uh, that we don't see this more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's because it, 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 the way I'm, I'm always surprised that when guys are warming up without the helmets on, yeah. that we don't see the puck go off the post. And, you know, we see it enough. We see guys get it in the head and go down. I mean, yeah. Take me back to your experiences on the ice. I mean, did this happen? Was there was there sort of a rule where you had to try to avoid this? D- depended on who your goalie was. When I was in Washington, our goaltending wasn't great, so it didn't matter who we were shooting on. <laughs> you were allowed to shoot high. When I got to Colorado, Patrick Waugh was there, had a few Stanley Cups under his belt. You never raised the puck above 18 inches. I mean, you walked in, you shot it, you tried to score, but you weren't shooting it high. If you hit Patrick Waugh up high, you were going to be killed. First by him <laughs> and then by everybody else in the lineup. The backup was Craig Billington. Every time you went down the ice, you rang it right by his oh, yeah. ear. And, and he would go wild. He was like Hanrahan for slap shot. He'd come chasing after you, and I'd be yelling, you're the backup, you're the backup. Get back in there. But with Patrick Waugh, there's a different uh, set of rules for certain goaltenders. You, you, time. Yeah, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I was trying to shoot around the crossbar every single time in practice. Didn't care who, I, who it was. Uh, generally speaking, on game days, I'd give the starter a little bit of a break. But as soon as you come down on the backup or whoever wasn't playing, everything's around the ears. And my excuse was, hey, I got to get warmed up, too. I got to shoot the puck and get ready to play. Uh, Ray Emery. We saw a highlight of Ray Emery in Ottawa once upon a time where somebody hit him up high. It might have been Brian McGratton, the old tough guy. Next thing you know, a stick is tomahawked into the corner, (laughs) followed by Emery coming to fight him. We all know how tough Emery was. We had him for a year in 2012-13, the lockout season. And it was hilarious. I came down the ice a few times in practice. Thought twice about going high, just put it off his pads, thinking I was kind of a, a little baby for doing such thing. And I turned around, one by one, every guy on the Hawks was just shooting along the ice. Nobody wanted to shoot it high on Ray Emery. There, there's legendary Ron Hextall stories as well, when, and almost fighting Shell Samuelson after a shot in the warm-ups in Philadelphia. I mean, they were going to go at it in the locker room. This was prior to a game. This wasn't like a morning skate. This was prior to a game. There's other players that shot on Hextall high, and he he grabbed the puck and fired at their head. We all saw he scored two goals, shooting it all the way down the ice. Well, he could rip it. That, that puck would be coming back at you before uh, you could turn around. That thing was going to hit you in the side of the head if you weren't careful. So Hexy took care of himself in his net, but there's a lot of different uh, goaltenders that don't appreciate Yeah, it. and let's face it, it depends on the status, as you mentioned. You have Alexander Ovechkin, you have Samsonov, which is why he says, yeah, he'll be fine. Don't so, worry. And Samsonov's going to go in. Hey, sorry, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry get, that you hurt me with that He needs to get in the way of the I'll puck there. Yeah, my fault. Uh, let's stay in the Metro and talk about easily uh, the biggest surprise in the division. That's the Columbus Blue Jackets, because let's face it, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne, Dezingle, this is a team we talked about. God, we used the phrase all in a million times last year because that's what they did, the deadline. And then they get their first win in a playoff series. But then after that, it's over. These guys all leave, and I think we sort of forgot about them. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea was that there's no way they're going to make it. How is Columbus doing what they're doing this year? A lot of it has to do with John Tortorella behind the bench. And you mentioned all those players. What do they all have in common? They're all superstar, skilled, talented players. To me... 
when I think of Tortorella and I think of Columbus, it's Felino, it's Boone Jenner, right? It's that size, that speed, um, that workmanlike attitude. Dubinsky's another one. That kind of fits the mold to John Tortorella's team. When I think of Panarin, Duchesne, Anthony Duclair was there a year ago. Mm-hmm. Look what he's doing in Ottawa now. For some reason, they didn't look good in that Columbus jersey, the way that that team played. Now, Columbus had a team that I thought could win the Stanley Cup last year. They, they missed a few chances against the Bruins as the playoffs went on, but I like the way this team is made up. They clearly trust in their coach. They believe in their coach, and it reflects in the way that they play. They smother teams with the body each and every the, game. The, the remarkable thing is Josh Anderson, who I think is one of the top power forwards in the league, has one goal this year. Mm-hmm. He's been injured. Mm-hmm. He has not played well. He'll probably be moved. You know, another guy that, if you looked at their team last year, was a major reason why they you know, matched up so well against Tampa and beat them. Atkinson was hurt for an extended period of time. Yep. He's, but you look at their goal totals, it's... You know, it's almost embarrassing. I mean, they're, they're winning by committee, and they're all taking great pride in finding ways to win as a team. That's what makes them so likable. What makes them good is they've got a great blue line, and Seth Jones is a phenomenal player. One of the most lopsided trades that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Ryan Johansson has not worked out in Nashville. Had a good season there and did well in a, in a playoff run, but has yeah, not exactly. lived up to that. Seth Jones just keeps on getting better. So... You have to give Yarmo Kikalain a lot of credit. And he was very confident. Uh, Mike Milbury was telling me he talked to him in the offseason, and he mentioned to Mike, he said, look, we've drafted well. We have a lot of good young players coming. We're not that concerned about losing the players that we're going to lose. We felt like we had a chance to win it. We went for it, but we're not that far back. And I kind of shrugged it off when Mike was telling me that before the season, thinking how could they – possibly be in the mix especially in such a difficult division so give the draft a lot of credit and their scouting staff and and their general manager but I do agree with Sharpie John Tortorella's put on a clinic this year behind the bench I think you'd have to say at this point he's the clear front runner for coach of the year did they have to make the playoffs in your mind for him to win coach of the year I, I would think so yeah traditionally those individual awards at the end of the year always go Generally speaking, to teams that make the playoffs, yeah. MVPs, Coach of the Year, all that stuff. I matters. just wonder if they're like a point back, if they're in that chase, if he's still right there. I, I think it's this still is, possible, but I understand there are a couple of other guys right there. You, with you could make a case, so I'd be fine with it. Yeah. And you, the, all the guys you mentioned signed multi-year, multi-million-dollar contracts, so you lost superstar talents, or at least players that are being paid like that. And Panarin is a superstar. Mm-hmm. We see what he's doing yeah. with the Rangers. Bobrovsky's starting to get his game. It's starting to round into form there as well. And Matt Duchesne has played as a star in the league for yeah. a long time. So these are legitimate star players and even Anthony Duclair who you mentioned Sharpie was at the all-star game this year and looks like his game is really rounded into form and he credits John Tortorella with kind of helping him develop into a better player even though it didn't work out for the two of them there so I think we do have to consider John Tortorella even if Columbus misses the playoffs as being the coach of the year. Sullivan there as well? Yeah there's a few options I think Pittsburgh with Sullivan's got to be one for sure just with the injuries that they have I know there's a couple Hall of Famers in that lineup but we went through it at but the top of, them, of the they podcast. They've been out for yep. a ton of time. They keep plugging players in, and they've got a chance to win the division. So he'd come to mind. Out west? 
Barubi's done a good job there again without Tarasenko. I mean, that's a leading at the all-star break. They were the top team there, and I don't think that many of us expected that to happen, yeah. especially with their superstar being out of the lineup. So I think he would be in that conversation. Travis Green is one that really stands sure. out to me, what he's done in Vancouver. Uh, the Canucks are a very fun team to watch, but they're a young team, and he has managed a lot of young star talent, including Quinn Hughes on the back end, uh, who's done an outstanding job. And that unique style of play is not easy to coach. So give Travis Green for letting him be a creative player. Bednar in Colorado, similar makeup yeah, he's good personnel-wise yeah. as Vancouver, if you really want to draw a comparison. High flyers on the back end, Hughes and Makar, superstar talent up front, McKinnon and Pedersen. This Pedersen's yep. awesome player. Yes. He, he's so smart with the puck. Reminds me of a Pavel Datsuk, the way he's thinking it one step ahead of other guys. Um, simple play like entering the zone on a power play breakout. The pass is to you and we enter the zone. Well, he fakes that pass, gets the defenseman to bite. Now he gets to walk into the zone. Little things like that add up. You want him with the puck on his stick at all times. He's one of the most fun players to watch in all the league. Yeah, and I think with St. Louis struggling just a bit recently, mm-hmm. it opens the door for Colorado. Colorado could win that division. Who knows? It could be a Coach of the Year award mm-hmm. right there. It could be an MVP award on that team as well. Uh, but when you talk about listen, rivalries, we're talking about the Pens and the Cavs, but fierce rivalries when the hate really comes out and delivers. And even when you build the game up, it seems like the game then exceeds those expectations. That's been this battle of Alberta. And Matthew Kachuk's in the middle of it. Zach Cassian's in the middle of it. But we got a goalie fight the other day. When you see two goalies drop the gloves and then see actual punches being landed, I mean, I didn't anticipate. The first few, it feels like those two guys are out in the sumo like yeah. they, they have too it much happens. padding on, can't find the range, but then the range was found, and guys were connecting. This is intense. Best rivalry in hockey right now, easy? It, it is. I, I still give the Caps pens a nod after how hard they went at it over the weekend, which I think was almost a, something that seemed contagious from the games the night before, including the Edmonton-Calgary game. Yeah. Uh, there's no, no question about it. It's got drama. It's got a lot of scoring, which we saw in that game. It's got a ton of hits, and it's got a lot of fights. And it's also one that's a very competitive playoff race. So Pacific Division all of is it, right every there. game's a battle, like and, in the mix. and it's something that you want to make sure you tune into. I was in the car watching it on my phone because I didn't want to miss anything of that game. That's how uh, important that game and that, you that rivalry. at this time? <laughs> no, nah, I was not driving. It wasn't that important. No, I'm not yeah. that good. I'm not that good. But I, I did know, watch it. I know that game's been talked about a lot in recent days and weeks, but I think the way that Cassian and Kachuk handled that situation was perfect on both ends. Yeah, you know, Kachuk's running around. That's what he does. He likes to throw the body and, and kind of catch guys when they're vulnerable. That's fine. Players do that all the time. Cassian had enough of it. He handled his business. I don't really like the back and forth in the media, but it's entertaining now that I'm not playing and I'm not involved in it. Uh, and then everybody wanted to see what's Kachuk going to do. Is he going to run and hide? Is he going to be this turtle of Alberta that he's hearing about for the last 10 days? And he answers the bell right away. You can tell that he's the son of Keith Kachuk, who's one of the best teammates of all time, is everything I hear out of St. Louis. He's a great guy. Grew up in a locker room. He knows the code. He knows he had to answer the bell. Now it's over with. Continue on playing hockey. Goalies fighting. Skill guys fighting. Ryan Nugent yeah. Hopkins, Sean Monahan. Monahan's first career fight. And that's, and that's all because Kachuk handled it the right way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really important point. If he goes out and continues to avoid that fight, 
his teammates are going to get beat up yeah. along the way. Yeah. So it's a really good and mature recognition on his part that he had to deal with it himself, and now everybody feels like they're a part of it. Everybody wants a pizza. Everybody sees how excited the crowd got, and everybody sees that, you know what, in the fight, you're not necessarily going to get hurt that bad. It's kind of fun sometimes. So <laughs> get in there and, and you know show your spirit and show your fans that you want it just as bad as everybody else. And it can help your game, too, individually yeah. and the team. Watch these two teams, Calgary Ed Edmondson, I think they both go on a little bit of run here down the stretch. When you raise your level that high and you drop the gloves and you see Nugent Hopkins fighting and Monaghan fighting, uh, it can spark you in a, in a positive way. I know I was whenever I was in a slump, I got in a fight, all of a sudden you start feeling like you're the toughest guy on the ice, even though you're not. Mm-hmm. changes your mindset a little bit. Now you can handle the puck and play hockey again. So I look for those two teams in Alberta to get hot down the stretch. All right, man in the middle of the mosh pitch of that current battle of Alberta, the man we've been talking about, Matthew Kachuk, an over-all-star weekend in his hometown of St. Louis. He spoke with Michael Farber. First topic, what it's like matching up with his little brother Brady on the ice. Face off with your brother. How did that evolve? Well, last year was my first time I ever played against in my whole life. And so we kind of had a plan before where, like, if we're both starting... Should we go and take the face off, or should we just stand next to each other? How should we do this? And uh, I was just like, do you know what? How many people get to say they get to play against their brother? And so um, the first game last year, I went in. He snapped it back on me pretty good. And then this year, me and him were lined up. I'm right wing, he's left wing, so right, we're right next to each other. And Wes kicked out both the centers and called us in, and that was so not planned. Like, it was... I, was, I actually wasn't even happy about it at the start. I was like, oh, God, I can't... I don't want to lose another one to him. He snapped it back on me again, but... I'm so thankful for Wes doing that. Like, how great is that to face off against your brother? And my it meant a lot to my parents. And uh, I know my dad um, sent Wes a text right after just saying how um, appreciated he was in it. And, um, yeah, we thought it was awesome after. You also gave your brother a little cross check. Oh, I was pissed. I lost the face off. So, um, you know, once the, once the puck drops, game on. You grew up here. What does the All-Star game in St. Louis mean to you? It means so much. It's it's my first All-Star game. I mean, if this All-Star game was you know anywhere, I know it's in Florida next year, so we'll say it was in Florida this year, it'd still be a huge honor. But the fact that it's in St. Louis, it's at the rink where I've scored millions of goals since I've been four or five years old. Me and my brother used to go there almost every day. My dad would throw us out there um, before their practice, and we'd skate for an hour or whatever. And so the amount of goals we've scored in this rink and envision this moment, envision 20,000 people you know, cheering for us and... Um, it's hard when we come here as opposing players. Obviously, they're not cheering for us, and Norton, like as if they would cheer for us, you know, as opposing players. But um, for us to kind of be in the spotlight as hometown guys, and and hopefully show kids and um, build the game in St. Louis, we want to show kids that it doesn't matter where you come from. And this is a hockey market in my mind. Um, kids that play here, they can make it to the All-Star game. They can make it to the NHL. They can play college hockey. They can play junior. So I think that's one thing my, me and my brother want to make sure we get out of this is is to show people that even though you grow up in St. Louis, you can make it to the, to the top of your sport and um, um, you know the, in the NHL. So um, we're, we're excited for this opportunity. My parents are super excited. I think looking back, you know, Brady just got the call yesterday when Austin got hurt. So um, he was actually in Bahamas, so he'll probably come back with a little bit of burnt face. Uh, but uh, um, he's excited for it, and I'm excited that he can share this opportunity with me and I can share it with him. And um, our family's super excited, and we have so many people in town. It's going to be a blast. There are various skills this weekend. Would you be in favor of a skill that the NHL should uh, adapt next year of trash talking? 
Um, uh, probably not, because I don't think I'd be very good at that. People think I am good at it, but I'm not. I don't really say too much out there. So um, I, I'd say I'd say they should just stick with the on-ice skill stuff, the hands, the shooting, all that, all that fun stuff. Who's the player you grew up watching and admiring? Well, I think that growing up in St. Louis and having my dad there, he was obviously there every day, but you don't look at him like an NHL player. You don't look at him as the star he was. So um, I looked at other players on the Blues that are actually here this weekend, like Osh, um, TJ Oshie, Perron. All these guys love David Backus because he lived at my house for a little bit of time. Um, and then I think my favorite person, favorite player on another team was either Crosby or Kane. I loved Kane. He was somebody I idolized when I was younger and tried to do everything he did. Saw all the stick hand, all the coming in slow on the shootouts, the through the legs, all that stuff I thought was so eye-opening. He changed the game, and uh, he was probably one of my favorite guys to watch when I was younger. Do you think Kane will go down in history as the best U.S.-born player? Well, he's definitely on pace to be right up there with it. The, some of the things he does, and, and he's not 25 anymore, you know, and, and he's still he's in his prime. He's in his prime right now, and he's not 25 or not 27. Like, he's, he's almost ageless the way he plays. He, he doesn't get hit. He doesn't get, put himself in bad situations, and he has the puck the whole game. He's somebody who you look at as, a, as an opposing team, and he's got circles all over his name because he, he's somebody you have to watch every time he's out there. So I think he'll definitely be in that conversation. He's a guy who, if you, want, if you need somebody in the league to put a puck in your stick in a crucial time, that's the guy you're looking for. Another guy who's just hit, about to hit a milestone is Ovechkin. What impresses you most about his quest for 700? Well, it's, uh, I don't even know if it's going to be the quest for 700. He might be going for eight. Not, he, could be, he could be playing forever. It just seems like if he gets a chance, it's in. You can't give him a chance. And uh, he, again, was one of my favorite players to watch when I was younger because of the celebrations. I loved him. Um, I loved the uh, one-timer celebration with the kissing the hand up in the sky. Like, I thought that was so cool. And um, he, he's somebody who's, again, ageless in the way he's just, you know what you're getting at him every year. He's, he's going to score almost 50 goals, if not that. And um, he's somebody who's changed the game in that sense as well. So um, he's a guy who, one of my first NHL games, that was kind of my welcome to the NHL moment was playing against him. I think I played against him in my seventh or eighth game. And just being on the ice, standing next to him in the faceoff as an 18-year-old, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is the NHL. We'll talk about some other players, uh, actually, in your uh, division. Describe Connor McDavid's speed. Well, it's, it's not just his speed. It's the way he stick handles with it. It's the way he does everything with that speed. He's the best player in the world, in my opinion. It's, he's, he's another level above everybody. There's, there's guys that are unbelievable talents, but he is by far the best. Just the way he's able to, to stick handle and shoot and do everything at such high speed. And he's, there's fast players in the NHL, he's faster. He's the fastest player I've ever seen in my life. And um, he's somebody I actually have the privilege to work out with him and skate with him in the summer. And just to see that every day and see how fast he is and see the little stuff, the stick handle, the cutbacks, everything. He's elusive. And um, he's the best skater I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he has a teammate named Leon Dreisaitl, who apparently isn't thrilled about having to go on the ice with you this weekend. How do you feel about playing with Dreisaitl? I think he's, I think he's a great player, and I think he's uh, um, having a great year, and both of them together are a really, really good one-two punch. But as for the other question, I probably can't answer that. They'll, they'll get mad at me. Fair enough. The Calgary Flames. Um, what is going to be different this year in the playoffs when you get there? Well, first, we've got to get there. We're in a big race right now. But 
you know, looking forward, we, I expect us to be there. We expect to be there. We have the guys in the room to be there. And I think this year we're going with the mindset where we're not content with making it there. We're not content with, um, you know, having a 100-point season or whatever we did last year. Like, I think we're not going in coasting this year. We're going to go in. We're, we're playing playoff hockey right now. We've been playing playoff hockey since Christmas. So um, we have to go in with that same mindset. And we ran into a hot Colorado team last year that was playing playoff hockey for months. And they came in on a, a complete, complete high, and um, they took it to us. So I think this year we're going with the mindset we have to, we have to do damage, we have to go on a run, and um, we want to be peaking at the right time. I think that's the main thing this year. We haven't necessarily clicked um, or played our best hockey for stretches this year. We haven't gotten to that point where I know we can be, and we all know we can be. And so hopefully that comes around playoff time, because the teams that win, they peak in playoff time. You had a taste of it last year. But we want to know, why is playoff hockey so much harder than the regular season? It's completely different. It's Everybody gets another gear. Everybody seems like they're skating faster. Everybody seems like they're bigger out there. Everybody seems like they're hitting harder. And um, I wouldn't say the whistles go away because they call the same, it's the same refing, it's the same standard as in the regular season. But it seems like there's just way more intensity. And every shift matters. If you score... One goal you could change. One goal can change the whole momentum of a whole series. Um, we saw that last year. We lost. Uh, we were up one nothing, and we played game two, and they um, were up two one. They score with their their goalie pulled, and they win in overtime, and that's one one going back there. And it's just crazy, like one goal can change the whole series, sort of thing. And um, I got the taste of that. That every shift matters. Every single hit matters. You want to wear down the other team. Um, you know, you have to. You have to play as a team. You have to have short shifts. You can't. But there's no saving it. Like, there's no saving it for, ah, we'll get them, you know, next week or we'll get them next game. No, you can't because you do that, your season will be over. And uh, all it takes is four losses in one series to be going home. So um, it's crazy. It's crazy, and the intensity is, is unbelievable. I love going into um, into Cal- in our rink at, in Calgary, the Saddle Dome, just to see how electric it is in there. And even last year in Colorado, what an atmosphere it was. So I just think the atmosphere is even more crazy. The city's crazy, especially playing in Canada. The city seems to rally around it, and um, I think it's awesome. Playoff hockey is the best. We talk a lot about the value of being, obviously, a top-end player in this league, but there's also value in just being a unique player in this league. Matthew Kachuk is unique. Brady Kachuk is unique. Which one of those guys would you actually rather drop the gloves against? Uh, Matthew, it'd yeah. be Matthew. Now Brady's gonna be a beast. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna he's gonna pummel you. Some like just take down Subban with a body slam yeah. that I wouldn't want to get up from. So I, I would want to avoid Brady Kachuk at all costs. I wouldn't want to fight either one of them. <clears throat> but I'm with you. Brady's <laughs> bigger, longer, and he's nicer. Doesn't he seem nicer? Yeah, he'll do it with a smile. Right? Yeah. yeah. Kachuk yeah. seems like he's got that bully mentality on the ice. Kachuk, uh, Brady. He might flip the switch in the middle of a fight and just get real angry in a, in Brady a heartbeat. Brady looks like the type of guy in 10 years, he's going to pack on 20 more pounds. He's wiry strong now. He's, he's a guy that I would be building my team around. Mm-hmm. I, I said it when they drafted him in Ottawa. I love the pedigree. Obviously, son of Keith. Uh, growing up with Matthew, all that competitive spirit. He's got a sister that's a field hockey legend mm-hmm. right now in university. Like that's, You could tell he grew up in a locker room. He's 
knows the value of being a good teammate, and plus he's a great player on the ice. So. And he lights up a locker room. He's yeah. always got a smile on his face. This guy that just no absolutely bad days loves, the rink, right? yeah, he loves yeah. coming to the rink and just loves being there and playing. And he's a heck of a hockey player. The future in Ottawa is much brighter because they have Brady Kachuk. That was a great pick in the draft. Well, going back to that fight with PK Subban, they got it going early on in that game and got separated. And Subban's going anytime, anytime. <laughs> and for Brady, that really meant anytime. Oh, okay, so we're gonna, re, re, you know, we'll do this again the second period. He was ready. Yeah, he he was. dropped the gloves quick. Uh, He's a guy you could build around, obviously, with the Buffalo Sabres. They are building around their captain, Jack Eichel, and he's doing everything within his power to prevent his team from falling into an all-too-familiar late-season rut. Now, he enters play tonight with a career-best 31 goals, but his team is 11 points out of playoff position. Eichel, however, maintains this year is not like last year. You know, it's not last year. It's not like we, we've been through these, these, these times where – you know, we, we take a couple hits, you know, at, at this time of the year when it seems like it's critical, uh, you know, critical, critical games. And we take a couple hits and all of a sudden the wheels fall off and uh, like that's not happening here. And I, I think that that's probably the uh, the biggest message that, uh, you know, has been sent to the locker room. You know, you're going to you're going to take punches. It's uh, it's a tough league. You know, every team's competitive every night and um, you just got to start finding ways to win hockey games. That's honestly all it comes down to. Now, it's not exactly like last year, but it is depressingly similar to last year because last year they started off very hot, and then you got into almost late November, and they're in first place, and then things just completely, as you said, the wheels fell off, the bottom came out, and they were right there back in the lottery. This year, it's a hot start, then they slid, but now it's sort of like treading water, which isn't going to be good enough if you're this far out of playoff position. Do you have hope for the Sabres, because I think if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, you know that your team is in the longest playoff drought of any team in the NHL right now. That's all you're looking for. Outside of Eichel, do you have hope for this team? Whew, I don't know. I like the positivity from the captain. Uh, clearly, that's coming from Ralph Kruger, who's a very positive guy. Doesn't seem to get too rattled in difficult situations. But when I watch the Buffalo Sabres play, all I'm looking for is Eichel. Yeah. And you notice him when he's on the ice every time, partly because he's a great player and also because there's not much else going on in Buffalo right now. Uh, passionate fan base. It would be fun to play in Buffalo. Uh, the, the Sabres are a big deal in Buffalo, and it's been a tough couple of years because, as you say, it's one thing to be struggling, knowing that you got picks coming, knowing that next year might be different. But they've been saying the same thing in Buffalo for a handful of seasons now. And Jack Eichel's getting older, getting older, and they're yet to put a team around him. Uh, the future is bright. I like Darlene. I think he's a kid that's going to continue to improve. He's still a defenseman at the age of 20 in the National Hockey League. It's going to take some time before he fully develops into his potential. But, man, I, I don't know what to tell Dwayne from Buffalo, who's uh, yeah, pretty upset. Yeah, the epic things. caller <laughs> who called in and just went on a, a multi-minute rant about how depressing it is and honestly about how bad the atmosphere is at Buffalo Sabres games because I think there's an expectation now that it's just not going to happen for this team. Well, when I was playing in Washington and Craig Berube and Dale on Hunter and I would get together and watch hockey games, we watched the Sabres and we would watch Rob Ray, Matthew Barnaby, and we'd watch these guys run around and just create havoc mm -hmm. and entertain the heck out of them. We were playing, and I'd be telling Baruby, you're going to have to fight Ray tomorrow, <laughs> and Hunter, you're going to have to fight Barney. You know, it was just, but that's how the Sabre fans kind of developed into really finding a way to love the passion that those players brought out in the game. Eichel is playing with that passion now, 
the one difference with the Sabres this year than last year is Eichel is just looks like he's unstoppable. Yeah. So he's matured into the superstar talent that we thought he was going to be. That's a great thing. And, and it's an awesome thing for the Sabre fans to be able to watch him blossom into not just a top player in the league, but one of the best players in the league without a great supporting cast in that regard. So I think they need to, when they look and try to build this team, they've got a lot of players that are just kind of, like white bread they just there's not enough there they need to get some guys that got some uh grain in there like they just need some grinders they need some guys that entertain with physicality they need guys that change the momentum in a game they've got some nice hockey players yeah they just don't they just don't have an identity to well me. you That's mentioned one being that, right near the top of the league i mean we haven't had an mvp since lemieux in 87 88 for a team that finished out of playoff position is he in the conversation for you? Uh, he's he's in the conversation. The conversation he saying, is in the conversation. Is he a top five guy? Yeah, he is. Okay. He is a top five player this year. There's uh, there's no question, and I don't think anybody's doing it with Can't less. Can't win it though. Consider I wouldn't situation. vote for. I wouldn't give them. I wouldn't let them win if they. And they're not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the yeah. other difference to this year compared to last is Florida's better. Toronto should be better and will get better when Morgan Riley returns. Tampa has really found their game again. Yeah, Boston but, never gets old. But Columbus is above them in the wild card. That's you wouldn't have said that yeah. going into that's the season, surprise. certainly, right? I mean, That's got to sting Sabres yeah. fans as well. Because go back to September, I think there was a lot of excitement in Buffalo about the personnel on their team. Not so much from the outside looking in at Columbus. I don't know what they felt there. Obviously, they believe in each other. But that one's got to sting as well. For Sabres fans, it's one thing to be behind those four teams that we mentioned, throw in Columbus as well. It's another to see improvement year after year. It's the same story every year for Buffalo Sabres fans, and that's probably what's tough right now. Although Eichel seems to sound like things are, are going to be different this year. No, I mean, and you like that leadership, but you talk about teams, and we talk about the Pens being maybe a piece away from being a title contender. Um, let's just say playoff contender. A piece away? Are they? Are they? That piece has to be a great but, piece. But it's got to, I mean, and it's got to be where? It's got to be a complimentary player to Eichel. So it has to be. I'm not going to say as good as Dreisaitl to McDavid, but he needs a rant, a, he needs a Rantanen to McKinnon. Is that a bigger priority than goaltender? The goaltending would be a huge priority too. But it looks, you know, there's a lot of goaltenders out there right now. They should be able to grab a guy from somewhere else. Not a not a Carter Hutton who's been a, a number two his whole career and try to make him into a one. Yeah. There's some real good young goaltenders, including with the Rangers, that the Sabres need sure. to find a way to get one of those guys. Look, a big reason why Columbus is in it is their young goaltenders have developed. They've drafted well in goal, and that's what the Buffalo Sabres have to do. The good news is when you've got a talented player like Jack Eichel, when you're that good, you're close to turning things around. Like you said, bring in another guy, bring in a goaltender, wherever that position may be, all of a sudden a difference a year makes your team's right in the hunt. All right. Buffalo Bills back in the playoffs. Sabres fans hoping that their team will somehow, some way get there. It doesn't look good for this season. That is it for another episode of Our Line Starts. You remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe for automatic downloads wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.